From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. An estimated 10,000 baby boomers reach retirement age each day. By 2030, one in five Americans will officially be a senior citizen. Yet fewer are retiring when turning 65. And for many, traditional retirement is not financially feasible or desired. Ina Jaffe is a veteran correspondent for NPR, and she covers aging in America. She's out with a new series tackling the new realities of work and retirement for older Americans. And she's joining us now from what, NPR West? Yes, great. Culver City, California. Well, great to have you with us. How many boomers are putting off retirement? Do you have a sense of that? Well, the uh, there's about a quarter of people 65 plus in this country who uh, are still in the workforce. And um, that is unprecedented. It's way more than it was just a few decades ago. And it's projected to keep growing, um, certainly until about 2030, when the last of the baby boomers have retired Mm -hmm. or reached that age, I should say, since they're not retiring. Well, there's been plenty of study on this group. In fact, this is the fastest growing group of workers in the United States, 65 plus. You did some of your own uh, surveying to find people and the reasons that they were not retiring. What did you find? You know, it was interesting. We put out our own survey. And so since the um, respondents were self-selected, it wasn't scientific. But we asked a lot of questions and the answers were really revealing. Um, We got nearly 700 responses. I followed up certainly not even with half of them, but with a lot of the people who responded. And many of them, uh, a huge amount, uh, much more than the national average, were still working at least part-time, some because they had to, some because they wanted to. Overwhelmingly, the majority said both because they wanted to and because they needed the money. Mm -hmm. So um, that gives you... The idea that this work and retirement balance that people are trying to figure out, it's not all cut and dried. It's not people working only because they need the money. It's not people working just because they never want to stop doing what they're doing because they love it. It's really a combination of reasons. There are all kinds of factors that um, feed into this family situations as well as passions, as well as needs, as well as really your whole life history catches up with you in retirement. Mm-hmm. Well, you spoke with a number of people who have continued and some who haven't continued their careers. Can you tell us about some of the people that you met? Well, the ones who aren't retiring. Um, in one case, um, I spoke to an 89-year-old man who is still a fitness instructor at the YMCA. <laughs> I just fell in, in love Orange with that. County. <laughs> and um, he, you know, he moved out to Southern California from the Northeast because he wanted to retire someplace where the weather was good, except then he didn't retire. Mm-hmm. And his wife keeps asking him, well, when are you going to do this and when are you going to do that? And he goes, well, I'm thinking about it. But um, he just... He just can't picture himself retiring. He says he'll probably work until something stops him. And that he, the way he put it was, it was really interesting. I want to be a contribution, not a slug. Mm -hmm. And so that really, though, then speaks to his whole tradition of working, his commitment to the YMCA, which he became involved with when he was growing up young and poor in Jonestown, Pennsylvania. He's been involved with the Y since he was eight years old. And... His name is Bob Orozco, and he really is committed. He says uh, that your life is a gift that God gave you, and your gift back to God is what you do with that life. And so he really feels he's got a mission.
Well, Bob Orozco, he is one of the people that we'll meet in your series. That starts Wednesday this week on Morning Edition. This is something I think a lot of people are considering, how they feel useful. You also spoke with someone called Andy Abrams. He's a retiree in Bakersfield, California. Let's hear just a little bit from him. You can't save enough for retirement if you're making two minimum wages and have kids. Forget about it. Yeah, Andy Abrams and his wife Ella, they consider themselves you know, the lucky ones. They both have defined benefit pensions. These are the traditional pensions that were around when baby boomers were first entering the workforce, but have pretty much disappeared, um, except for mostly people in the private sector. Um, They're the kind of pensions where you get a fixed stipend each month for life, depending on your salary and years of service. And so you can't outlive your money. Though Andy Abrams worked in the private sector, um, he was one of the last in his company to still have a defined benefit pension. Mm -hmm. And that bit of tape that you just played, it shows that they recognize how lucky they are that savings, saving for retirement is something that, yeah, you can pat yourself on the back for, but isn't that easy for a lot of people? that um, there are a lot of people who have no way to save on their jobs. Right. Of course, financial advisors discourage tapping into your retirement savings. You found that wasn't always an option. So what were some of the common reasons that people had to use retirement funds early? Well, I met one woman um, who will be in a piece on All Things Considered this week who is living mainly on Social Security. About a quarter of Social Security beneficiaries live mainly on their Social Security stipend and that's all. And she was doing that even though she'd had lots of jobs and worked her whole life. And I wanted to show that you can work your whole life and still end up with no retirement savings and um, mainly Social Security. Most of her jobs didn't have retirement plans. The ones that did were when she became a librarian, a children's librarian. But she moved from job to job. She moved from place to place. And so She dipped into her retirement funds to keep her going, her and the two children she was raising as a single mother, to keep them going when she was between jobs. So there was really nothing left except Social Security by the time she had to retire because of a disability. And then there are uh, people who still are helping their children out who dip into their retirement funds. According to one survey that I read, about half of older adults are dipping into their retirement funds to help grown children. Mm. And so there is one family, the Lusky family, who um, will also uh, be on the air this week. And they have an adult son living with them. He's, they describe him as being on the autism spectrum. I was unable to meet him at the time that I was at their home. So they're taking care of him. They're taking care of their younger son, who has also grown, but who has had a very on-again, off-again relationship with finishing his BA since uh, there's so much turmoil at home because of his older brother. Mm. And this is, this is not unusual for parents of children with intellectual or developmental disabilities. And it's not that unusual for any parents with grown children who are helping out with car payments or student loans or any number of things that young people face. Let's just hear a little bit from Victoria Bryant, who my guest Ina Jaffe spoke with for her series on the realities of retirement for NPR this week. It threw me like I can't live like I used to because at this age, end up having a bankruptcy. I was sort of in bed for a little while trying to figure out 
How could this have happened? Well, for many Americans, Social Security does make up the majority of their retirement plan. And we're talking about a payout of about $2,800 for someone who files at full retirement age, depending on the job that they had, which is currently 66. So you're talking about the realities, what people are doing now. How about the way that we think about retirement? How, how is this shifting? I mean, this has changed relatively, as you pointed out, quickly. It, it has. Retirement used, well, retirement used to be non-existent. Retirement it was sort of a post-war phenomenon. Um, people used to just work until they couldn't work anymore, or they lived in extended families, and um, they were helped out by uh, their children and perhaps even grandchildren when they got older. Social Security, as you recall, didn't even come into existence until the 1930s. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really an expected part of life. Um, it became so after the Second World War. Then it became expected that that is what you do. There were even mandatory retirement ages in a lot of different fields of employment that you reached 65 and uh, you got your gold watch here party with a sheet cake and (laughs) you went on your way. And people just don't think that's required of them anymore. Uh, They want something more out of life. Um, People, many people, not everybody, but many people are living longer. More educated people um, like the jobs that they have. Uh, They're not so arduous physically that they can't keep doing them into their late 60s or 70s or beyond. You spoke to people who are experiencing it and studying it. In fact, Teresa Gilarducci, she's a professor at the New School in New York City, talked about baby boomers and their savings. Here she is talking about the shift away from pensions to 401ks that people manage themselves. The problem is is that the first boomers reached retirement age about the same time that we had a financial crash, the worst one since the Great Depression. And the fragility of that do-it-yourself system really exposed itself. Do you get a sense that people who are thinking about retirement, especially after talking with people who are facing the reality of it, know what they need for retirement? Do they, do they have a, a good bead or estimation of what it's going to take? If you're speaking financially, maybe, maybe not. Um, there are any number of advisors, online tools, all those kinds of things that will help you figure out what you need to retire. But In reality, you have also people who just haven't been able to follow the advice for one reason or another. They've had family crises or they were, you know, living in a fool's paradise. You have Mm -hmm. no idea why. But baby boomers have saved a median of $150,000 for retirement. Mm. And that's for a retirement that could last 30 years. So clearly not everyone is really getting the message about um, what it is they need to do to save for retirement. Although I should point out that half of people in the private sector have no retirement plan on the job. So it's entirely up to them to figure out how to save. And that's an issue that uh, some states are trying to address on the state level now. What kind of policy changes are they thinking about or what is happening in terms of state aid or federal aid for that matter? Several states have set up uh, programs. Uh, They go by various different names, but what they do is they just make the employer sort of a conduit for the money to pass through. They deduct 3% or so, like I said, it varies from state to state, from an employee's paycheck, and it's managed by an investment advisor hired by the state so that you do have something 
when you leave work altogether. You have this other retirement fund that has been managed by the state. And uh, they usually set these up where you can opt out of the program if you want, but you're automatically enrolled. And they find that participation is much higher. And so that will be something in addition to Social Security that lower wage workers will have. But, you know, you raised an interesting question before about how people prepare for retirement. It's not just financial. You know, there's so many articles that say you have to save this much and you should do that and mm-hmm. you should lower there's your a expenses. There's You know, all these different kinds of, you know, there's tons of advice out there. But people spend a whole lot more time, therefore, worrying about how they're going to pay for their retirement than they spend thinking about what they're going to do mm-hmm. in their retirement. And so there's um, a certain amount of hunger now to find meaning in whatever it is that you do in retirement. I profile one woman who decided to stop working so she could volunteer. Mm. Um, Her passion is helping other seniors. And so that is what she's doing on a volunteer basis at a local senior center four mornings a week. Um, She's 70 years old. Her name is Carrie Eagles. And she just didn't like the way older people in her community, which is mostly lower income, were being treated. And so she thought she wanted to contribute to making it better. So she's got the purpose part of that nailed down. But um, some people find themselves at just sixes and sevens trying to figure out what they're going to do now with all this time. Do many of them, you mentioned Bob Orozco. In fact, we should just hear him. He just sounds like such a great character. Let's listen to him. Sure. You know, if I retired, I uh, really don't know what I would be doing with myself. And as long as I'm capable, I want to be able to be a contribution and not a slug. Not a slug, as you said. Leading fitness classes at his local YMCA, which is just amazing at 88 years old. But that is a question. Are people who are retiring, are they often going on to second careers? We used to call them retirement jobs. You know, the thing that you may have always wanted to do or have to just keep going in the work that they're doing. Did you find? People um, do find second careers, second passions. Um, Sometimes people leave when they're 50 to, Mm -hmm. you know, get started in that, uh, what is sometimes called an encore career. And, you know, the Carrie Eagles, in a way, although it's not a career, uh, definitely left work so that she could pursue a passion. And there are, there's an organization called Encore.org that, in fact, uh, arranges fellowships so people can try out purpose-driven employment, you know, with nonprofits, so that they can transition from something in the private sector to something that gives meaning to their lives. And helps other people. I mean, it's, this is something, as you said, people aren't thinking about it. They don't have enough money saved up for it. I think psychologically, I would observe that a lot of people just don't want to face it. They don't want to think about it. I have many people who are middle-aged, my peers, who are saying, you know, well, we'll all just buy a community together and live together. You know, there's a there's a kind of pie-in-the-sky way of thinking of aging. And I'm wondering, for you, as somebody who covers this and sees people grappling with it or not over and over, what do you think? What What's the right way to go? Well, one of the things that you touched on is that uh, a lot of people, especially baby boomers, think that they're never going to get old. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so so many disparaging remarks about older people without people realizing that uh, they're talking about their future selves. 
But when you say, oh, well, I'll just get a place together, that is actually starting to happen. It's called Mm co-housing. And there are more and more people finding ways to live in community where they have some support from their peers. It's a living model that I think a lot of people are looking towards. And it seems very boomer-esque, actually. Well, we're going back to the old commune idea, aren't we? (laughs) Ina Jaffe, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Ina Jaffe's series, The New Realities of Work and Retirement, brings some real voices and real stories to the experience of retiring or not in contemporary America. The series begins on Wednesday on Morning Edition here on GBB and all NPR stations. And we do have a link for more information on this special five-part series at gpb.org.